Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is episode 118 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this episode, we'll look at how to teach technique in online piano lessons. Welcome back to the show, beautiful, lovely, and amazing teachers. I hope you're doing well today. We are in the middle of a series all about online lessons, online music teaching, online piano teaching. Today's show is going to be more relevant to piano teachers simply because I'm covering the area of technique and it's hard to do that with a broad brush, right? Especially since I don't know anything about good violin, drum, voice or any other technique. So this is going to be mostly relevant to piano teachers, but if you are a teacher of another instrument, I hope that some of the tips will still be relevant for you. I'm sure that many of the things can cross-germinate and give you some ideas for your own teaching anyway. Much of this series about online music teaching, though, has been relevant to all types of music teachers and voice teachers. So if you haven't checked out any of those episodes already, you can go back and find them in your feed right now. We've talked about broad areas like the best equipment to upgrade your online lessons. We've talked about tools and software for online lessons. We've talked about teaching strategies and how to play fun games and lots of other fun stuff. So if you go back through your stream here on the podcast, in your podcast player, then you'll find all the recent ones. And if this is your first time on the show, you're very welcome. This is a great place to start, but you're equally welcome to go back and listen to any of our backlist there. So we're talking about technique today because this is the one that right away, the start of the pandemic, the start of the lockdown, when many people were moving to online teaching, I started getting messages saying, okay, this is all well and good. I actually have done online teaching before or, you know, it's not too bad. I get it. But this is potentially going to go on for weeks or months. We have no idea how long and we really didn't know how long at that stage for many of us. And I can't just leave things out. You know, normally when I teach online lessons, I'm going, oh, well, it's not a big deal if I don't deal with that particular legato issue today. It'll be all right. But now teachers were saying, no, 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 this is my primary mode of teaching these students and I need to make sure they still are developing their technique and not playing with tension and not making bad habits and still producing a good tone and all of this stuff, right? And it is definitely harder 
through a video call to teach technique effectively. So I wanted to take today's show to cover that topic, to think about a few ways of improving your teaching of technique specifically, and hopefully help you feel more confident with it, feel like you're getting somewhere with your students in this area who are you are teaching through online lessons, and that you will be able to cover this in the future if you're teaching in person right now, but just wondering about online lessons in future months or for makeup lessons and that kind of thing. So the first step to great technique, we know, is to be set up right. That the bench is the right distance away from the piano, that they're sitting at the right height, that if they're little, they need something to put their feet on. All of those basic things. And the reason I'm bringing these up first is because you can't have very good technique without them. And because although many of us know this and we set students up very carefully at the studio, often their home setup is not quite as ideal. And many teachers were pretty shocked to see the environment some of their students were playing in at home, that they had keyboards or just, you know, didn't have a proper bench or their their keyboard, which they knew they had, was actually on a dining room table and they'd been lied to about it being on a stand, all of that lovely stuff. So what I want to encourage you first is not to be afraid to take some time to get them to set it up right at the start of the call. It can feel like, oh, well, I'm just wasting time and I want to get them into the thing and I'm using this precious lesson time that we have, just getting them to go find a box or find a stool or move things around. And while it does feel like that, the more you do it, the more they'll learn to actually do it in advance of the call. And it really is so important. It's actually doubly important. It's more important than doing it at the studio because hopefully... This is going to bleed through into their practice, right? Hopefully, they're going to leave it set up like that or over time gradually develop a a habit of setting themselves up for success at home. So it is worth that few minutes that it takes, even five minutes out of your lesson time, to get them set up correctly. Obviously, you want the bench to be at the right distance away from the piano. And that one is particularly important because even students who do set themselves up correctly normally, sometimes because they're on a video call, they can scooch in a little bit because they're trying to get into the view of the camera. And we want to make sure that they're not doing that, right? So it might mean that they're slightly out of view or it might mean that they're able to move the camera back a little bit more away from the piano so that you can see them properly. I prefer to see their head, right? But I'd prefer the choice between seeing their head or them being at the right distance away from the piano and me seeing just their hands or, you know, part of the bottom of their chin. I would prefer that versus them playing at an unhelpful distance away from the keys. So check the bench distance, then check the bench height, make sure they're at the right height. Take those few minutes to get them to go grab cushions or books to sit up on if they have. So you don't have an adjustable bench and you need to raise them up, do take that time to do that. And also take the time to make them go get something to put their feet on. This is something I drill into my parents in my studio, but still some of them won't necessarily have something for their feet, especially if they're a newer student and I haven't quite been harping on about it long enough. So having those moments to get them to go get a box 
anything like a storage box usually works that they can just turn it upside down. They don't need quite as much height, then big books could be fine, right? But they need something to put their feet on so they're not dangling, especially after I've raised them up to the correct height because they often don't realize how high up they're supposed to be sitting. So that's on their end. Let's think about your end now. So we talked in the first episode in this sort of mini-series about Online Lessons 2.0. We talked about equipment, so you're going to want to go back and check that out. If you're looking into getting different camera setups and having an overhead camera and stuff like that. But this is where having multiple views really does make a huge, huge difference when it comes to teaching technique effectively. So if you don't have an overhead camera and haven't figured out how to set one up, this might be the time to do that if you are struggling with teaching technique. However, for some things, the side view camera is actually better. In particular, when it comes to things like the wrist lifting that they need to see. And I don't have a side view camera. (laughs) So this is where, you know, your setup is not going to be perfect, no matter who you are. For my lessons, I'm sitting at my desk. And so I'm sort of in a, a headshot view. And then the other view I have is an overhead one of my piano. The reason it's just a headshot is it's the camera that's built into my Mac. And it's a Mac. It's not a MacBook. Like, it's not a laptop. It's a desktop. It sits on the desk. I can't move it around all that easily. Or sometimes I do. Things can get a bit precarious as I balance it on boxes and stuff. But still, I don't do that most of the time. And I can't do it in the middle of a lesson, right? So I can't show a full side view of me sitting at the piano because I'm sitting at a desk and then I move to the piano and or it's a digital piano and have the overhead view from there and it works just fine right the ideal for things like showing a wrist lift off or you know phrasing that kind of thing would be that they could see the side of my wrist however I do get around that just by explaining what I want them to watch out for before playing it so I'm showing it on the overhead camera But I'm saying to them, listen, I want you to think about what my wrist is doing as you see it coming towards you. Because the camera is up above, but as you see my wrist getting bigger and coming towards you, that's because I'm lifting from the wrist first, right? So if you just are a little bit specific and talk your students through it, you can get around things like that. So don't be held back by your tech. Another option, if something isn't coming across, or you can't get around one of these challenges with teaching technique, is to just use videos. Not everything has to be done through your live video call, and sometimes you will need to use a video to get something across. Now, this may mean you spending a couple of minutes, and really I mean a couple of minutes, (laughs) recording that video, but it might be worth it. And if it's something that's coming up a lot, like you're having trouble explaining staccato because of the angle of your camera or because of the way it's coming across through the call. You record a quick video that is generic and talks about staccato in general in the way that you like to describe it or like to show it and you just play that within the online video lesson, the video call that's happening live. You can play videos directly there by just sharing your screen. And that will give you so much more opportunities to explain these things. So if there's something you're coming up against that it's just not coming across clearly, 
look up a video or make your own little video, doesn't have to be fancy, just has to be clear, and play that to your student during the lesson. Another option is, if you're not sure about something on your student's end, is to get them to record a video and send it through to you to check. So again, you don't have to take extra time. You can actually watch this together during the lesson. I did this with many of my students who were preparing for exams. So our local exam board for the May exam period, they gave us the option of doing online music exams which were video submissions. And so students were going to be recording a video of them playing their scales and pieces and sending it through to the exam board to review and give them marks. So I had them record these videos and then we watched them together at the lesson. Okay, some of them I did watch in between lessons. But us watching them together at the lesson was not just for me to save time during the week. It was because actually... Watching your own playing back is one of the best things you can do to improve technique and expression, especially, I find. So having them watching that back with me at the lesson added an extra layer to that. And it meant, yes, I could ensure that they really did watch it back, but it also prompted a discussion from us. So as long as the video is not too long, you can absolutely watch it together. Or if it is longer, you can watch little excerpts of it at the lesson together on the screen and you're having that shared experience and then discussing it afterwards. Another way to use videos in the teaching of technique is to just use videos that already exist. So make use of YouTube. YouTube is out there, it's a behemoth. It has a ridiculous amount of recordings and performances in there. So use it to teach your students technique from some of the best Musicians, the best pianists out there. Look up Lang Lang playing something specific and talk about how he's using his body. Or whoever else, right? Whoever's relevant. You can even look up um, the UI Piano Ped channel and they have recordings. They have this fantastic project. If you haven't seen this already, check it out, not just for technique. They have this fantastic project, which is basically it seems, to record almost every standard pedagogical piece out there. There's just so many of them. And they're all the go-to classical pieces, and they do various exam syllabi, and they cover all sorts of things. But they have a couple of great staff members, pianists themselves, obviously, performing those pieces. So just their you know, I don't know whether it's the head of keyboards or whatever, that does most of them. And you can look at their technique and how they're using their bodies, right? And I mean, Riam does this as well. So the Royal Irish Academy of Music, Raymond Curie, it records their exam pieces. A lot of exam boards are doing this now. And if you look up their YouTube channel, it doesn't matter if you're using their exam program. That doesn't matter at all. Look up their YouTube channel and see those performances because they're showing you know, the best version of this piece in their view. And often they are standard parts of the repertoire. That's what comes up in exams all the time. So it's a great option to look up some diverse, different styles of technique and also show your students examples of things that they're working on. So that's three video options. You recording videos, them recording videos and you watching it together or using YouTube videos to check in with their technique to teach them about 
various different movements. The last section I'm calling little tricks. <laughs> so there's a few little tricks if you're still struggling in the moment to teach technique in your online lessons. There's a few tricks that if you don't know about, you need to. The number one trick, which I've discovered through mentioning this on a YouTube chat, that actually not that many people thought of it this way or used it. And that is called the arm piano. The arm piano simply means where you hold up your forearm and play on it with the fingers of your other hand. So this is great for video calls because you can hold it up to the screen in whatever angle you're at. You don't need to move your piano. So you just hold up your arm, you know, flat, parallel to the floor, and you play on it with the fingers of your other hand. You're obviously not making sound. You can sing if you want to. But it'll allow you to show things really clearly, like fingertips being strong or different shapes you're making how you're moving from one finger to the next, how you're using your arm and your wrist. All of that stuff becomes so much clearer on an arm piano. So if you don't already have one, you actually do. It's built right into you. Just pick up your arm and you will create an arm piano and it'll solve so many problems for you. The next one is probably one that has occurred to you, which is to use metaphors to describe things. Metaphors or similes, <laughs> not discriminating here but have those go-to ways of describing things. And if you find that you don't recall the ones that worked before, start jotting down notes of them. You know, a lot of us have standard ones that are our go-tos. Like a good example is a lot of people for staccato will talk about the hot stove and jumping away from it. I'm not suggesting you use that one. I'm just giving that as an example for these kinds of metaphors that people often use. I pause there because that that image always makes me think of that little cartoon. Have you ever seen that? Or I should say comic, right? It's a piano teacher and a student and they're standing beside the stove and she's making him touch the stove. Anyway, cruelty to children. Not good. But it always comes to mind because it's often shared on Facebook. Little metaphors and tricks like that are just great to have in your back pocket. And if you are someone who they just don't come out that easily and you think of them later... Start keeping a running list of the common ones that you could use or that you've seen other teachers use and start trying them out. Another simple trick, simple adjustment to make, which is going to sound so silly, is to just describe the sound. I find myself sometimes not doing this, and it makes a massive difference when I do. So instead of focusing purely on the technique, tell your student what sound they're listening for. The reason this is so essential in online lessons is because you're not there and you're not hearing the real sound. You're hearing the reproduction which is coming from their possibly not great quality microphone through to your computer speakers. You can't hear the nuances of that sound. So you need your student to engage their ears. And again, this is a benefit we can get from online lessons. We can get them to engage their ears because they have to, because we need them to, and we can prioritize that. So, ask your student to listen out for a particular sound. The wrist lift-off example I was using before is a great one. The reason we lift from the wrist, essentially, is because it's slower and it creates a petering away of the sound. Right? So the music ends gradually or it fades. You can use different vocabulary based on what your student understands. That's a very simple, it's a simplified explanation, but it works. And if they start to listen out for that, 
They know what the movement is relating to. Too often, I think we just expect them to hear it. But if you point it out, they can listen for it. They can tune their ears into it and they can seek that out and refine the technique based on that, based on the music. The music comes first. The final tip I have for you is say, play, say. By this I mean, in your online lessons, don't just demonstrate first and then talk about it. That's great. But actually, I find it more efficient to say what you're going to say, say what you're going to play, say what you're going to demonstrate, demonstrate it, and then say what it was. So you're giving that extra digestion time and that extra level of explanation because things are just less clear through a video call. So if you tune students' ears into certain things, they will have more success understanding your explanation and really gleaning more from your demonstration as well. So say, play, say. I liken this to the old advice that you often get for writing essays, which is in school. I don't know if you got this, but I certainly did, which is say what you're going to say, say it, and then say what you've said, right? So this is the same idea, except in a much more micro version. Say, play it, say it again. Okay, I hope this has helped you get to grips with some of the the troubleshooting that you need to do for technique teaching in online lessons and how you could improve this in the future and some little tricks that can help you as well. I would love it, absolutely be thrilled if you would share your favorite technique metaphor or simile or a way that you describe a certain element of technique in the Facebook group or in the show notes for this episode. So those will be at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 118. And I would love to hear some of the ways that you describe things, because I'm always picking these things up from teachers and, you know, you try them out, some of them work for you, some of them don't. But you gradually build up this library, and I'm always trying to help newer teachers to build up that library for themselves, because it really makes a massive difference. And I think more experienced teachers underestimate how many of those little things that they have, little go-to explanations that they have that are making an enormous difference in their teaching. So please, if you have some of those, like the staccato hot stove one, things like that, will you share them with everyone in the Facebook group or on the show notes at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 118. Next week on the show, we're going to be talking about teaching rote pieces, because this is another thing that many teachers have said to me that in my online piano lessons, I just, I've given up on the rope pieces because it was just too hard. And I find that funny because although I get the technique one, the rote one, I find those the easiest pieces to teach online. So it's almost the opposite of this week's episode. If you are struggling to teach rope pieces in general or particularly online, I hope that the tips I provide for you next week will be helpful and give you a framework to go from to improve upon your rote teaching or your pattern piece teaching, whatever you want to call it. I hope you'll join me back here then for that chat. And until then, I hope you have a fantastic week ahead. If you're struggling to teach certain little elements of technique offline or online, a great resource to check out is called the Piano Physicians Clinic. It deals with things like collapsing fingertips and 
risks that are dropping down too low and how you can really work on those issues with your students. So if you're a member, you can find the Piano Physicians Clinic in the video library. And if you're not a member, you can sign up at vmt.ninja to get access today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.